Hey, so we're in, we're still in Ephesians chapter 2. A curious case of the Ephesian church. The human race has many things going for it, don't we? But perhaps something that we are particularly good at, it seems, is picking a fight. Human conflict is one of the things that we can almost set our watch to. I mean, just think about the conflict in the last 100 years. We've got World War One and World War Two. I don't think I'm missing one. I think there's only those two. Maybe the Cold War. That doesn't seem so many. <laughs> I'm going to read to you a list of the wars that took place between World War I and World War II. So here goes. <clears throat> we have World War I. We have the Armenian Genocide. We have the Russian Revolution. We have the Russian Civil War. We have the Irish War for Independence. We have the Chinese Civil War. And we have the Holocaust that began three years before the Second World War started. We have the Second um, Italian-Abyssinian War. We have the Spanish Civil War. And then we have World War II. But we think to ourselves, but we're Christians. We don't bother ourselves with such dreadful things. But we have been very inventive with conflict as the human race over the centuries, right? It comes in all shapes and sizes for every occasion. I mean, just off the top of my head, well, off the top of my head when I was writing this, <clears throat> we have passive-aggressive comments at family gatherings. And then it goes up the scale. We have favoritism. And then we have neglect. And then we have verbal abuse and physical abuse. And you can go in any direction on the scale and you can increase the frequency or the intensity of any one of these forms of conflict. For there to be conflict, there must be some sort of division, right? There must be a difference between you and me. For conflict to exist, there must be a difference of opinion. There must be a difference in race and gender and age and nationality and ideology. And the possibilities for that and combinations for that are also endless. <clears throat> Keeping that in mind, we find ourselves again then in Ephesians. And as I had mentioned already, <clears throat> that salvation is brought about by the will of God and not by anything that we have done to earn it. Well, that's perhaps one less thing that we can be divided about. Then we spoke about how salvation 
um, puts us in a new state of being. And we must never forget that we were also lost and wretched without the grace of God in Christ. Perhaps that's another area that's been made moot by the grace of God. For them, the Ephesians, probably a glaring difference was, but they are Jews and we are Gentiles. Surely God's chosen people receive more grace than us. Surely they are entitled to more blessing. And we read about what blessing was, right? In the first uh, chapter. From verse 11, for essentially the rest of the chapter, he makes it emphatically clear that salvation brings peace. Because any real division becomes moot when viewed the lens of salvation and God's grace on us. The gospel is the great and wonderful equalizer. I think this message is so relevant for us today because it seems that even though there is a great push in the West for meaningful diversity and representation of minorities, that's great. Why does it seem then that discrimination and division and uh, and conflict are worse than ever. Wars are still going on. There's still persecution. There's still conflict. As we go into our message then this morning from Ephesians, I'm re reminded of a verse in James chapter 3 verse 16 where he says for where there is envy and strife there is confusion and every evil work let's read now then from verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 2 Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in the flesh the enmity. Enmity means conflict. Enmity, that is, the law of, condom, of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, whereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him... We both have access by one spirit to the Father. <clears throat> Dear God, as we look at these passages and see how it relates to us here as a church today, I pray that you may open our eyes and our understanding to the scriptures and may it be rooted in our hearts that we may apply it. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> so, he uses the same format as he did in the previous section, verse 1 to 10. This is who you are before. And then he says, but God. And he says, this is your state of being now. And he uses the exact same format. But this time, it's to illustrate this is who you were collectively, but God. And now, this is your state collectively. It says, therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, in other words, not circumcised, not having the sign of the covenant, not being um, outwardly... Um, identified as a Jewish man who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. In other words, by the Jewish people. The Jewish people had made a distinction. We are God's people and you are not. That distinction was made for thousands of years. But he says that that sign, the sign of the covenant, was something done by hand. It was something that, that, that we human beings did. It was an act. He says, keep that in mind. And then he says that, yes, there was that distinction. And yes, for a long time, that distinction uh, was valid. But the consequences of that distinction meant that the Jewish people became uh, almost elitist and they saw themselves as superior 
to the rest of the world. But that was never the case, and that was never the purpose. God chose the Jewish people to be a testimony to the rest of the world, to be the example. This is what a relationship with God looks like if, if they had done it properly. They were meant to be a testimony and an example, but it became uh, twisted and it became um, an area of superiority. And this permeated then within the church as well. Perhaps there were lingering feelings of that or, or tension or perhaps uh, legitimate questions from the Gentile Ephesians. Don't they deserve more grace? Where do we stand? Okay, so he does make it clear you are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, the, the, the nation, <laughs> uh, and all that, um, uh, that that encompassed, which is the promises uh, um, that God made to the nation. Then he goes on, <clears throat> and he says, Without Christ, without um, uh, nationality, the national um, identifier, uh, without the, the covenants of promise, without the blessing that that is, and it says, having no hope without God. But then he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. He says, for he himself is our peace. He makes um, the distinguishment and then he says uh, that in Christ, not by the works that, that was the implementation and the signs of the law, but now in Christ Jesus you have been brought near. You are no longer in that, uh, in that state. You are now uh, in a relational change. There is, there is a state of difference between you and the Jews and between both of you and God, it says, um, for he himself is our peace. So division brings strife. He says, the, these divisions have been removed. And he says he has broken down the middle wall of separation. And he's talking about the temple. <clears throat> In Jesus' day, the temple was this massive complex. And on the outside, um, Non-Jewish people could, could gather and propagate, but there was a, a wall built around the, the actual temple proper and, um, and the sacrificial courtyard that only Jewish people were allowed to enter. 
uh, and that was the wall of separation. And he says he has broken that down, that now everyone has access to worship, which was represented within the temple. It says, having abolished in his flesh, in Jesus Christ, that enmity, that hostility, and thus making peace. And that he came to reconcile them both to God. <clears throat> he mentions here several things about this new state that applies to both the Jews and the Gentiles. And for us here today, it applies to everyone and both and all. And he says, there has now been reconciliation to God. That in fact, they being the promised nation still needed reconciliation. That their um, calling and their distinction uh, still required Christ to die for their sins on the cross. Just as we do. It says in one body through the cross. And he says he came and preached peace to you who were far off as well as those who were near. That, that in salvation unity exists and true peace for through him, and then it says as well, both, both have access by one spirit to the Father. <clears throat> Any distinction that you have made as Gentiles are completely uh, moot when it comes to the act of salvation or, or the act of redemption uh, that Christ died for our sins uh, on the cross and we can be inheritors um, of that grace and, and we can receive salvation and that is done through one spirit that we now um, have access to the Father. So Paul spends an entire chapter breaking down uh, perceived division and making it clear that in Christ uh, we can have true, lasting peace with one another. What does this mean for us today? Well, <clears throat> we spoke about how conflict exists in the outside world, and um, we spoke about how uh, the nation of Israel was set apart to be an example. Now, the church is not Israel, but the church is set apart. We are called to be a testimony, an example 
So if conflict exists out there all the time on all levels, and we come and we say, look at us. We uh, mirror Christ-likeness. We represent Christ on this earth. And the same conflict exists within the church as out there. What difference, what example are we then really? If we have uh, been equipped and, and enabled through the Spirit to remove any cause and any reason for conflict, that Christ came to preach peace regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of background, <laughs> peace can exist within the church because we have one spirit and one salvation, which we're going to, he repeats. Shouldn't we strive with everything that we are able to, to seek peace amongst ourselves? to iron out creases before they become uh, bigger uh, areas of division or cracks? <laughs> Can't we as believers be honest with one another and speak to one another with compassion and love and say, there's something I need to talk to you about. I'd like to make peace with you. Something happened last week. Or whatever the reason is being part of the body of Christ, sometimes it feels so superficial that it's no different than a gym membership. And if someone irks me, I'll just go to another gym. Let's... Let's remember that we are empowered by the Spirit to make peace. And that through our example, we can look to the outside world and say, there is reconciliation for you as well. If you will accept Christ as your Savior and repent of your sins, there can be peace for you as well. As we examine through Ephesians, what does it mean to be a church? Let's put this uh, with exclamation marks. Peace. And we are able. Any division that might exist is overcomable because Christ has enabled us. So let's pray now. And uh, if there is something on your heart this morning that um, that might have caused tension or anything. I hope that uh, this can be a starting point. You can go and make peace with that person. Or if it's with me, 
I want you to be honest with me as well and, uh, and share with me. Um, and I thank you if you are. We look to, to each other. Let's pray. Dear Lord, <clears throat> we thank you that um, Ephesians chapter 2, we can look to it as, as almost a, a case study of uh, where division and conflict might seem so large and insurmountable in our own minds. But Lord, um, through your spirit, which we all have indwelling in us if we are believers, uh, these insurmountable, uh, even uh, seemingly unreconcilable differences, Lord, you give us the grace and you give us the wisdom and you guide us. Please guide us to a place of peace and please help us to remove any um, hint of pride or, or ego or uh, bitterness or resentment. Help us to be humble. Help us to be graceful and understanding with one another as we seek peace, Lord, and we thank you that you make all things possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.